0: here, walks across the dead ball line, now sprints back for Manly, up he goes, changes direction, this is Rugby League folks, have a look at it, links up with Cherry Evans, it's still on for Manly, away from Hess, kicks in field, look who's there, Tom Tra- Good chase there. My Welcome to the SC Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Williams. We're back for the second edition of the preseason podcast for 2022. Joining me, as always, is a man who we gave him a good rap last week. I'm a bit tentative to do it two weeks in a row, but he's the Supercoach Spy. 91st overall last year. Monkey off the back after a stack of top 500 finishes.
1: Spy, how are you, mate? Yeah, thanks, mate. Definitely not go too easy on me. I'm sure uh, the Sledge will be back in full force soon enough, but... Going well. I'm just sitting down in uh, the man cave, which I didn't have last footy season, so I'm just sort of getting it ready for the season. I've got uh, some KO mini origin matches on in the background, uh, can of creaming soda in hand and ready to rumble.
0: <laughs> You're a hard unit, Spoy. Again, can of cream and soda with you. Oh, mate. Hey, also joining us tonight is the 2019 Supercoach overall runner-up, Walson Carlos. Walsh good to have you back, mate.
2: Yeah, great to be back, boys. Keen to talk some more Supercoach.
0: Absolutely, mate. Hey, guys, going to get stuck straight into today's show. Nearly no dilly-dallying around. What we're going to talk about today is uh first topic of the show will be an approach to our round one teams Gonna have a little bit of talk about the, the rule changes to Supercoach and how we think that might impact the season, impact our round one teams, all that sort of stuff in terms of the approach, uh, particularly with the COVID threat and, you know, the chance of players pulling out late. How do we adapt to that, I suppose? Uh, Continuing on with our club analysis pieces, Raiders, Rabbitohs and Cowboys tonight. Drop into our listener questions a few other things and we'll see how we go getting through that. Boys, we get stuck straight into it with our first topic. It is how we're approaching our Round 1 teams. And Spy, I'm going to start with you, mate. It's an interesting year ahead. Just touching on a few of the rule changes. There weren't too many this season uh, coming into it. Not as many as I thought they'd be. So, Basically counting for the super trade week that we had last year, five trades in the season, we've been given an additional five trades that we can use at any time throughout the season, which is very interesting, obviously needing those extra trades uh, for the inevitability of players pulling out COVIDs, injuries, concussions, all these sort of dilemmas we're faced with this season. Uh, A couple of other little things, another real major rule change uh, from the super coach gods, the ability to award dual position status Midway through the competition, I'll get to my opinion later, but not thrilled with that one. I think it's a little bit leery. Um, mate, what's your approach to the new season? What's your take on the new rules? And, and sort of, I suppose, how do you see it changing um, your round one team for starters?
1: Yeah, mate, look, I don't think it any changed anything super dramatically for round one. Uh, I still think you pick your best side. You want to you get your best players uh, and then go from there. I think... As you said, I don't know about the dual position changing. I'm not for or against it, really, but I think that's just a wait and see to a degree. I'm not going to try and preempt what may or may not happen. What you might find is opportunities may pop up during the season. Maybe a fullback plays a bit of centre or something like that and suddenly you can have someone available at fullback and centre. Sir Caelan. Uh, uh, oh, mate, can you imagine? 5'8", Caelan <laughs> half halfback. He could end up anywhere for the night. He could play, ev- <laughs> he could play everywhere. But does um, sign things. I'm not going to preempt anything and pick someone because I think they'll change positions. But, I mean, if it pops up in round five or six or seven, whenever they're going to do it, I can't remember exactly, then it will give the opportunity to potentially bring in a couple extra guns into your side. Stop um, you there, mate. Yeah. Um,
0: so, the key point you made there that I, I sort of heard, you're not going to change your approach as a result of the potential for dual positioning players?
1: Not at this stage, no. Uh, I'm still just picking my best side. Uh, someone like, it'd be that classic thing where if you're really 50-50 on someone and you're trying to flip a coin against someone else and you think someone might get dual position, maybe that helps, but I just don't think it's that dramatic. I think you just wait and see, wait and see the approach uh, on that. I'm not going to worry about it too much at this stage. In terms of the three trade super rounds, whatever they're called, the super trade, uh, that I really like because... You know, you can save trades throughout the season, but then it doesn't really help you if you get barreled in one round and you can only use two of them. So it's kind of like, what's the point of saving those trades? The fact you can use an extra one gives you two opportunities, right? It gives you one opportunity to save them if you want, play that real long game approach. Or you could potentially just go a little bit harder and maybe use an extra one in rounds three and four, get on top of price rises, maybe get someone like a Tommy Trawojevic in a week early with a super trade if you think he's going to go ballistic. Uh, so, it opens up a lot of attacking sh- opportunity, uh, as well as that defensive player saving it for later when we could really need them. So, I think that's really exciting tactically.
0: Whilst that, uh, the Super Trade, the way I thought they were going to go was the way BBL Supercoach approached it, and I believe AFL Supercoach approached it as well, which is where you get an auto emergency that you can select for each position. So, rather than getting the lowest scorer in your whole team, if, say, your, your one of your centres goes down, you get your AE from the centre position, centre bench as opposed to maybe a front rower who gets seven points or something. I thought they might have gone that way about it. They haven't. It's going to test the patience of super coaches this season, isn't it? Because barring being properly short of plays and, and short of a half-decent 17, I still think the ploy is to save those five trades for the buy period to maximise your numbers for the second major buy round. That's how I see it, mate. What do you reckon?
2: Yeah, I I think, yeah, I I think you can save trades for sure. I think, like, you know, I've seen a lot of uh, dialogue between the, you know, supercoach community and a lot of people think that they'll use the extra trade, um, obviously coming into the price changes, so after round two, um, and then looking at, you know, the buys, obviously. So that makes a lot of sense, but I I, I think it's good. I think the extra trades are good in general. Uh, Like Spy said, I think... um, The analogy I'd give is um, when we used to run the Queensland Cup, the Intrust Super Cup, I'm not sure what they're calling it this year, but they they had like a top five and then they were looking to change to a top eight and we were sitting around the table saying, should we change to a top eight? And there was arguments about, you know, it's rewards, mediocrity and things like that. Mm. And my argument is always it keeps people interested for longer, fans, everyone. So I think the trades will keep people interested for longer. So even if your team's not going as well, um, you'll have a let a lot less dead teams, and people will play through to the end. Um, I know people play head to head as well as overall, but I think that's one of the issues with Supercoach. People just sort of get a bit um, stale with it, and they feel like their season's gone. I'll just try again next year. So that might just be me, but that's that's one of, that's one of the things that I think is is positive about the trades. What do you reckon about that, sport?
1: Well, you just mentioned something important there, head-to-head. If you're a pure head-to-head player and you back yourself to make the top four in your league, then you can save your super trades for finals and have an extra one for those last four rounds if you're going to save your trades. So it's something to think about. But obviously, mm. you don't want to lose the jump on the top eight or the top four by not doing enough early in the season. Just another good tactical thing that, that could come in really interesting. But if you could at least save one of those super trades for you know, the grand final or the prelim when you really need it, that could come in huge.
0: Whilst the the other, we've spoken quite in depth uh, about it in the past. Last year we spoke a lot about myself and Desi had a good little argument about the long-term versus the short-term approach to your team. Desi was all about, you know, burning those trades, getting the money in your team, getting your points. I was the opposite. I went the long game, was sort of more focused on, you know, saving a few trades for the inevitable concussions, COVID, all that sort of stuff in the back end of the year. Um, It didn't turn out that differently. I think I I finished 400 last year. Desi finished about 1100 or something. So not too far off. I do firmly stay in my corner in that the long-term approach is more important. Um, I suppose the five trades at our disposal this year, Mate, where do you see yourself using them? I mean, are you are you looking to use it, you mentioned earlier, when we see that the low break evens early when you're trying to build that bank or do you see yourself saving them for the buy period? What do you reckon?
2: I, I think it depends on your game style for want of a better yeah, word. Like you you spoke about the difference between you and Desi and that's what's so great about this uh, podcast. Like we've all got different game styles, the way we play Um you know, super coach, and and mine is more uh, is more a gut feel, and also I try to get the jump on other teams by going with a pod. What I've been learning over the last couple of years is sometimes um, you can go a pod or an, or a super pod, and you're not actually it's it's the risk to reward is too great. You know, when you could actually stick with someone who's um, yeah who is basically you know everyone has and um, if they if they drop if they get a bad round then it's not as bad for you if that makes sense so yeah i think it basically comes down to the way you want to play the game and you know if you're a long time super coach, which i know a lot of sc playbook fans are then they they will have developed a certain game style. They'll be listening to us. They'll be picking up little bits. But you have to, you have to have a unique game style, and um, and it's ever evolving. Like mine's going to change a little bit this year, and you know, I'm sure um, you know you guys will, will change yours a little bit as well. Spy. Uh, back onto that, so I'm dwelling on the the five trades, tactic
0: and whatnot, and the depth thing. Again, even more so than last year, I see it as a year that. Yeah, you know, there's not a chance I'd want to be starting with nuffs on my team, like nah, non-active players. I, I want I want depth in each position so that if blokes do get COVID, they do have to isolate. All different sorts of things could be thrown out this season. I want a semi-decent option to come in and replace them. I don't want to be stuck with my centre wings having one of my three reserves available. I want to be choosing from two or three uh, to plug in there.
1: I think it all depends on cheapies, mate. Uh, If there's good value cheapies, you might be able to do more elsewhere. If there's a real lack of cheapies, then it just really tests you, as we'll know. For me, I've always been slightly different to you in that I'm happy to start with one or two maximum non-players, and the reason for that can be to to bulk up the rest of my side a little bit more. And I often do it just to add a dual flexibility thing as a non-player, so if I can pick... For example, there's the young Broncos fella's half five eight, bottom dollar, uh I think it's man, the young bloke. He may or may not play, but if he doesn't, I can then pick Lockie Ilias from South if he's in the halves there. Mm. He can then rotate between five eight and halfback. And he kind of covers both positions then, but you can't do that unless you've got a dual position player in the mm. other in the other half five-eight slot. That's where I don't mind having a bottom dollar guy who can a free up cash by being bulk cheapy but B, give that dual position flexibility. So they do play a role, and then they can obviously be the the loophole for the vice-captain if he goes off. So I wouldn't do it for no reason, but if it's between him and, say, a halfback that might make 40K, then I don't really necessarily be stuck with a halfback who might score 20 each week either. So I think it's case by case, but certainly no more than one or two, I think, would be a good general rule.
0: What do you reckon, Wiles?
2: Yeah, no, so I, I certainly agree with um, the spy. I think uh, it, it's it's really it's really sort of tough to know, particularly with the dual position, like what sort of effect that's going to have. Like it reminds me a bit of the twenty forty. Like we, I don't know if we've ever seen a twenty four. I think Adam Reynolds did one. You know, like I just wonder whether how much effect it's going to actually have. Um, yeah. But then I did see uh, we get to a question later, and I did see a few a few players pop up that it might be relevant for and it might be sort of something that could really work in your favour. My, my question is, boys, um, and you probably had to clear this up pretty quickly, if they can add dual position, can they take it away?
1: I don't think they can, mate. No, no.
2: I wouldn't imagine so, no. no. So you're yeah. safe
1: in saying if you pick that dual position player, you're safe in... In get yeah. over that for the season, I will absolutely confirm for next week. But yeah, I'll be ninety five percent. Yeah, right and now. I
2: think I think the other thing we probably need to confirm is like there's no chance of anyone being a TPP is it? like a triple. Position I read no. Like,
1: I read the I read you can't. They're gonna cap it at two. Uh, but again, okay, we'll just confirm before season kickoff. But yeah, I think capped at two, and you can't lose it either.
2: Yeah, well, I guess my question from then is, is if you've got a dual position player who's a fullback and a centre and all of a sudden he starts playing halfback, are they going to take one of them? You know, same sort of question. Are they going to take a centre off him and give him halfback? It opens a bit of a can of worms if they do, like you said. Um, he might just be set in that position. But, um, yeah, it, it's interesting. It's an interesting um, sort of little wrinkle to the game. Mm. I will be to see how it
0: all pans out. Not a huge fan of it personally, but uh, adapt or die. As they say.
1: Hey, I well, just yeah. jump in real quickly. Yeah. Uh, just on that, the the three trade weeks that you can use, I find I'm someone who I try to have my plan set in place to a degree, but then you be adaptable and you'll hit those weeks where sometimes you go, wow, there's three of the best options I'll have all year. And 12 months ago, you go, oh man, I've got to pick two of them. What am I going to do here? I've got to leave this guy out. He's going to either A, go mad, B, make a bulk cash. That might be the week you go, I'm going to use one of my trades and beef Mm. up my side with three absolute cracking additions and it could be good long-term. But again, it's just a wait-and-see thing, if that scenario pops up or not.
0: Yeah, at this stage, I have every intention of saving them for that second buy period and monster that second buy and come come home like a steam train. But as the spy said, flexibility is key and it's a lot easier said than done waiting to the second buy a week to use up those trades. So we'll wait and see. Guys, if you're interested in our subscription package, $40 for our full package for 12 months, NRL, AFL, BBL content from SC Playbook. Just after the NRL, it's $30. Last year, the top three ranked overall super coaches were, super, were SC Playbook subscribers. Uh, also, our in-house league finished first out of sev- over 17,000 leagues. That was just the contributors to the site. Uh, so a good little notch to the tally there for us. Uh, what that does get you access to hundreds of extra articles throughout the season, eligibility, eligibility to claim our major subscriber prize. I'll announce those in the next week, what we've come up with there. Unlimited group code, jump in, 511034. Launch the WhatsApp group today, uh, a new exciting initiative from SE Playbook, a WhatsApp group. Anyone who subscribes can jump into that and talk Supercoach with all our subscribers uh, subscribers, the community, those last-minute decisions of a weekend, just to be more accessible, to sit there and chat to you guys and create this fun little laid-back little community. Um, you know, it might be a Sunday afternoon and you're, you're trying to wait on who to flip the captaincy on if you've got a dilemma. You can jump in there and have a chat to us. Uh, if you are a subscriber and want to jump in that, email us at supercoachplaybook, Playbook, word supercoach, at gmail.com. Drop your full name so we know you're a subscriber and your mobile number. Then if you want to jump in on the AFL chat along with the NRL one. Uh, Also, SC Public AFL this year launched as well, so go and give that a like for us. Boys, let's jump into our club analysis. The first team of the night, the mighty Green Machine, the Canberra Raiders, the 2022 NRL Premiers, very likely, I reckon. Boys, starting the season, a beautiful first three rounds, the Sharks, the Cowboys, the Titans. Then goes into the Manly Seagulls and the Melbourne Storm, both in rural New South Wales. Love seeing them take games out there. Uh, Not an overly super-relevant team uh, for a few reasons, but there are options. Spy Xavier Savage is the one, I think he's the most owned player in the squad at the moment. 286K, a couple of little stats from him. Two eighty played three games last year. One of them was injury affected. Two eighty minute game for scores of twenty five and one hundred and fourteen. I suspect that will be the super coach career of Xavier Savage. Highs and lows. Uh, not, I don't imagine he's going to have tremendous base out his career. We'll see, uh, mate. He's had a disrupted preseason uh, for a few different reasons, sort of body injury affected uh, little things there. My gut feel says barring big trial performances, which could happen, Charles Michael Clockstad will start at one for them. Uh, that is far from locked in. Let's say for a hypothetical, uh, Xavier Savage starts round one. Is he a guy you'd consider at fullback going against the popular options of obviously Teddy, Turbo, uh, Pappenhausen? Particularly, let's all throw in, let's say there's a bit of a dearth of cheapies. And is there at two eighty six k. Tempting or not for you?
1: I'd want to be desperate in the cheapy front. I'll tell you, um, just because I wouldn't want to give up that absolute super elite production in Papadopoulos and Tedesco and Chihoy, which These guys, for let's be honest, and but an unproven rookie. He's he did some incredible things in that Tunny scored that you just mentioned last year. He scored one of, one of the line breaks or tries he scored was just scintillating. It was like almost quicker than a young Milford um, chatting to one of the Raiders boys. Almost. Almost chatting to one of the Raiders boys in the off season, I think they were saying that he was a track star as well and he ran quicker than, I wish I remember who it was, it was someone seriously quick. So we know he can motor. We get a little bit bigger. But again, I just don't think it, it's, a huge, it's a huge gamble because if you pick him, he comes out and scores 21, even at fullback, and the bike you don't choose, say so it's Tedesco, comes out and scores 150, then it's going to hurt you pretty bad, isn't it? There is upside to it, but it's not for mm. me.
0: Whilst my boy Tommy Starling, massive fan as, of Tommy as a footballer. 343k to start the year. Uh, again, like we're, we're still about a month out from round one. So let's throw a hypothetical and say he starts round one. I've got him starting in my team uh, not in my Supercoach team, in my predicted Raiders lineup for the year. I've got Hodjo off the bench. That could easily go either way. But if Starlo starts and gets 80 minutes or even, let's say, 60 minutes, 343k, in last last season, he averaged 44 minutes per game, 39 points per game with 30 in base. He is electric with ball in hand, scooting out, out of dummy half there. A few more stats. In five 70-minute games last year, averaged 63 points. In that 63 point average, he had a 31 pointer in 70 minutes against Supercoach killers, the Melbourne Storm. Now, Harry Grant's going to be pretty popular, but he's not playing round one. I know you mentioned last week that Chris Randall, who's very popular, is far from locked into your team. Tommy's name to start round one. Any interest?
2: Yeah, well, there wasn't until you just said that to me. I <laughs> yeah. it's, it's an interesting one. When when you boys talk about uh, Canberra, I take notice for obvious reasons. But um, you know, obviously, you've got the inside information. But my question on him would be: Is it really possible that he'll that he could play big minutes? You know, like where where does Hodgson fit in? So, I mean, I'd be just following that dialogue pretty closely. But if, if it is a possibility that he plays minutes, then. Yeah, certainly. Um, certainly, it's a left field opportunity for sure. Spoil?
0: Yeah, you fire away, mate. Tommy. Yeah,
1: just just on Tommy though. In the year before twenty twenty, he played eleven games. He averaged fifty four minutes, and he averaged sixty one points mm. per game. It's unbelievable. And look, Hodgson's gone to that lock roll pretty successfully for the last fifty or sixty minutes. Uh, when Starling came on the last season, I th- I'd expect that what. That's what the Raiders do again this year. I think they need to utilise Sterling as much as possible. The risk is it's hard to start with him not knowing his minutes because he could play that 40 and then you're down a trade. But if he comes on and he's playing 55, 60-plus minutes, yeah. uh, he's yeah. going to be a serious trading option in the opening weeks. Uh, it's just going to be bold to take the pun on him early though, unless he's starting in the nine jersey.
2: Hmm. But is there, is there any mail, you're getting any mail out of, out of Canberra that he's going to be starting hooker and play big minutes,
0: Timmy? He's a very good chance.
2: Okay. Yeah, yeah. And, and what would that, what would would that where would that position Hodgson and, and what, what would his play time look like and what position? Well,
0: that takes me to my next point because the Raiders' back row depth is stacked. Uh, and from a super coach perspective, you can't go near any of them in my opinion because you look at blokes like Hudson Young, um, Corey and naira Joe Tappany, uh, Elliot Whitehead, Adam Elliot. These are all genuine, like, I mean, edge back rollers, a few of them, though. obviously Adams and your Taps and them boys are, are playing probably a bit more of a middle role these days, but are all very capable kind of playing big minutes on an edge. You then throw Josh Hodgson into a lock role, which even if Hodjo does start, we saw how effective last year was Hodjo moving to lock when Tommy came on at hooker. It's just it's just stacked. You throw on top of that that Joshi Papali can play a big minute till early on in the season, he'll probably average about 50 minutes, move on to that fifty five sixty back end of the year. We uh, won't get into him now, but I did a bit of a write-up in my Raiders analysis this week about Corey Horsburgh, who's also a terrific SuperCoach option when fit. He's been played by injuries. The pack is stacked whilst, and from a SuperCoach perspective, I don't think you can go anywhere near them because Ricky could do anything on any given day.
2: Yeah, well, that's that. That's sort of where I've gone with it, Timmy. When I've looked at him. but like I said, I, I listened to you, Blake, closely. The Raiders hasn't been a side that I've traditionally got a lot of players from. Um, I looked at C H N. Obviously, when when he went over from the Bulldogs and that, uh, because he's a Super Coach relevant player. Adam Elliott does interest me somewhat, but like you said, there's you know four genuine edge back rowers that could all just easily play eighty minutes. When I had a look at the side, I mean, the only other names that sort of interested me were a couple of cheapies, but I don't even know if they're on the radar. Like Albert Hoppawaddy was meant to be a, a prodigy a few years ago, but he sort of bounced around from club to club and doesn't mm-hmm. seem to be getting a start anywhere. Um, but And, there you know, there's a young kid from Rocky. I have to give the Rockhampton kid a, a bit of a plug as well, young Elijah Anderson. I think he made his debut or he might have been 18th man last year. He's sort of a, a tall, rangy winger. Um, so he could be one to look out for as well. But, again, their outside backs with Kotrick back are pretty stacked, so it's it's hard to break into that as well. I, I really tend to think Papali is almost the only relevant player at the moment for Supercoach until we see what happens with that Starling thing. He wasn't even on my radar, but I've penciled him in now to mm. keep an eye on. I'm also, like, interested in what you boys think about the halfback, Jamal Fogarty. There's been a lot of talk about him.
1: Um, I think he lands in the same position as the rest of the Raiders, mate. It's just a wait-and-see approach. I don't see why Jamal is going to suddenly do a lot more than he did in previous seasons. I mean, he had had all the ball he could command at the Titans last year. The Raiders play more conservative than the Titans, so uh, he doesn't interest me, really. Um, One guy I want to give a massive shout-out to if he does get a start is Matt Tomoko. He's a serious footballer. Uh, again, not someone I could start with, but he's a really, really good player. So keep an eye on him just in case he starts to explode. But I think the Raiders, the whole lot of them, even Papali, who could be really good value, as your classic wait-and-see approach. Uh, yeah, and, and that sort
2: of – sorry, sorry spoiler, That that sort of brings me to that question of you know, it's a big question I've had over the Raiders for a while now. And is Jared Croker, like, you know, from a pure NRL point of view, is like where, where does he – he's been out for a lot. He's had a lot of on, injuries and that. So where does he end up? And what where it becomes really supercoach relevant is goal kicking because, you know, if Jamal Fogarty all of a sudden is the goal kicker, then it makes him a lot more supercoach relevant. But while mm. Croker's there and, you know, he was a supercoach gun – well. Was close to a gun in the past, he, he you know he's past that now. And um, if he if he does play and he take and he does take the goal kicking, that takes it away from someone else. Yeah,
0: it does. Yeah, and mate, I could speak for about four and a half hours about the raids if I needed to, at least. Um, but again, and then croak has got a lot to prove. We love him, your SC favourite contributor, but he's got a lot to prove this year. Just it's all about his body. And uh, all reports coming through the off-season pretty well. Adam's obviously some work done himself. But uh, the poor injury to Harley Smith Shields is another massive dent for them. He's out for the season. He's a good footballer as well. Uh, the depth of the Raiders does excite me. It's the same Raiders every year. No stars outside of, you know, you know Papa and, and Jackie White and to a lesser degree. They're not Tedescos, but they're some hell of a footballers. But the depth there's good, that back row depth. It's a mobile, it's an agile forward pack. They can do some damage, but... Uh, you don't know what's going to come out round one, and if Ricky's got him fired up, I'm sure he will. Boys, let's move on to the South Sydney Rabbitohs because they are very super coach relevant. Uh, a lot of players there, just about every category, cheapies, mid-rangers, guns, you name it. Jordan start the season, very difficult. Brisbane round one, not difficult. I believe it's a Tuncorp Stadium. Storm, Roosters, Panthers, Dragons. About as tough as it gets, massive implications because you've got blokes like Blake Tafe and Lachlan Ilias who... Look, they're going to be in basically every team round one. Ilias will be a few question marks on TAFE with Latrell Mitchell coming back. But, you know, if you're forced to play Lachlan Ilias against the Storm and Roosters, rookie half, a uh, concern. Spy Blake TAFE. Again, this is a wait and see about the cheapy crop going into round one and, and see what unfolds over the preseason. But with TAFE, if I can avoid him, I will. I don't think we're going to have the luxury of enough cheapies to do that. But the way I see it, plays round one, Brisbane might score well. Plays round two against the Storm, Supercoach killers. Round three, Latrell's back. I've got Tafe plugged in as my number fourteen at the Bunnies, uh, where zero bugger all money's made. Uh, you know, in that time, injuries could happen. Anything could happen. Um, I believe. I think I'll start with him. But what do you? What's your take on Ilias and Tafe?
1: I like your logic around TAFE uh, uh, to sort of go against that a little bit and ask you the question, is he – where were most of his juniors played? Because he's a really, really good footballer. In the half, yeah. But and he played fullback a bit last year and looked really good. But there seems to be this assumption that Ilias has the spot sewn up. Um, Mm. I don't know the ins and outs of the two, but you'd hate not – You'd hate to start without TAFE and then all of a sudden the cho comes back and he's actually the starting seven, it's not Ilias, and you're, oh, no, I've got the wrong one. So that would that makes some risk in not picking TAFE. But if we can get some more info heading into the season, watch the trials, see how they look, we might get more of an idea. Because I agree with your logic. If we can get some decent cheapies and get players elsewhere, then you can get, get someone else in the halves or a dual-position non-player that I spoke about earlier. Uh, and not get stuck with potentially Tafe off the bench or something like that. But if he lands the seven jersey after round three or four, you'd be filthy if you didn't, didn't have him.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's, a, it's a good call, mate. And you're right, and it makes the decision to not start with him even more risky because, you know, even if he doesn't score that well the first two rounds, but he does take the halves position. And as you said, I'm sure we'll get more information throughout the preseason. season um, you're definitely going to be round three and burning a trade that you could have saved inevitably. So, as I said, there'd have to be a good crop of cheapies to not start with Taff. Taff Tafib. I will work that one out in time. Uh, whilst you had some strong opinions on Cody Walker last week, uh, with some key players out of their side this year, uh, namely Adam Reynolds, we might see Damien could run a bit more, and that excites you as a, a bit of a pod hook option to
2: start of the year. I just think he'd be really dominant. Uh, I'm very wary of the draw, which would probably put me off starting with him, but, you know, I, I think he's quite quite capable of going on a tear at some stage throughout the year. It's just a matter of getting on the right time, I guess. But, you know, I just I feel like he is going to be the do- – like I've seen him play a number of games without Reynolds and he's just he can just dominate a game, play either side of the ruck and that type of thing because – one thing about Cody Walker that he has is he, he sort of well, he strikes me as someone who's supremely fit because he can get around and like a little bit like Tedesco in his prime, they're just running or Billy Slater, they just run so many meters in a game and they can get themselves into the right position. And on top of that he's instinctual, you know. So um, yeah, look, I, I think he's on the up and up, you know, I think he's around about the prime age for a half, you know, I, I I felt for him throwing that intercept in the grand final, but that that try that he scored was one of the great grand final tries oh. that you'll ever see. So he sort of, you know, had the good and the bad there, but he wasn't too far off it. And and people got to remember, like, South Sydney were given no chance against Penrith Panthers. They didn't have Latrell Mitchell. So for them to get that close was a huge effort, and Cody Walker was a huge part of that. Spy, right.
0: what's your take on Cody Walker? Because... His game changes significantly with a rookie half next to him and no Adam Reynolds there running the show. I, I gather he's going to have to do a little bit more organising. We, we've seen him when he's at his best NRL wise and SuperCoach wise as well as touching. He's roaming both sides of the field. He, he's being that link man where he gets a stack of try assists. Does he have to rein things back a bit and worry about organising a little bit more? And, and again, we're going to, have to see a little bit more of Lachlan Ilias until this happens, but. Under a new coach as well, with Wayne Bennett gone, um, probably doesn't change too too much in that sense. Maybe not as much as Damien Cook, but Cody Walker was a guy I was like, yeah, you're in my round one teammate, Munsters out, I'll take you round one. Despite a bit of a, you know, a tough draw coming up, I looked further into the draw and I was like, oh god, that that's just those three games from round two to round four. I can't do it. But man, there's upside in the bloke. How do you see? How do you see him coming out this season?
1: Look, I think he's the absolute perfect downgrade in about round six or seven. Uh, that's sort of my initial thoughts. Roll-wise, I don't think it changes too much. We'll get Wells' thoughts in a minute, but you, you don't take away what he's good at. You know, he's roaming. He's that second receiver out the back, putting on a clinic with the ball, and uh, whether he's passing or running. I think he'll kick more, which will be good end of sets, which is going to lead to more repeat sets, possibly try assists, whereas Adam Reynolds obviously did all of that for them for South last year. But... I mean, I think you just try and replicate Reynolds as much as possible for the young half. They'll do the simple stuff at first receiver. Cody's then out the back, probably both sides of the ruck even more with Latrell. So it really excites me overall. Um, but I mean, that draw, I can't have him early. Let's get let them get combinations yeah. and then stick him in at about round six or seven for the year. Uh, but role wise, well, interesting your thoughts, mate. And just quietly, that try in the grand final. Was unbelievable. I nearly hit my head on the roof.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was a cracking trial. Yeah, I just, I just think he's going to have a really prominent role. And, and I guess it was what you guys said last week when I was fairly dismissive of uh, Newcastle Knights um, about Ponga. Is you know, just because the team is not going well, you don't have to dismiss star players. It's a bit of the you know, for those that follow the NBA, the Russell Westbrook factor, like he's been in a number of really stinker of teams, but he still posts the most triple doubles out of anyone and all that sort of stuff. So there, there's a bit the ability yeah. to post stats. A bit, uh, if you're looking for an analogy in rugby league, it's probably been Jason Tamalolo. The Cowboys have really stunk it up the last couple of years, but until the last year and a half, like has really been constant in his output in Super Coach and uh, that's that's something that I think probably hasn't been as prominent the last few years, but it might be something that comes back with players like Walker and Ponga.
0: Spy, two blokes that interest me, one because I want to make babies with him, Cameron Murray, and the other, Jai Arrow, because I think he's an underpriced supercoach star with a new role this year. Arrow is about, what, about 450-odd K well, we know what he can be as a Supercoach rep, and he, he strung a lot of games together last year. He's had injuries played him, in, nothing bad, just touches in recent years. He's got one of the best points per minute in coach. We think, and I do believe, that he'll start on an edge in place of Jaden Sewer uh, to begin the year. That should see a significant increase in minutes. We know what he can do. Um, Joy Arrow, Cam Murray, are they blokes on your radar – Jai Arrow, also dual front row, second row. Uh, There are some really good back row options at relatively affordable rates to start the season.
1: Yeah, mate, Jai Arrow, I think I'll start with him in round one for his whole career just waiting for that real breakout. It doesn't come. But at that price, you only have to go back a couple of seasons. He averaged 64 and 62 back-to-back in 2018-2019. That's really good scores. That was, it seemed underwhelming at the time because we know what he can do. Um, but if you can get back to averaging mid-60s, based on a 52 average last year, not only do you lock in solid production early, dual position, you also make that that money as well. You can then upgrade him or you can keep him, whatever needs doing. But Jairo will definitely be starting for me at this stage unless we get news of something else. He could be anything with big minutes. Uh, so that's huge. In terms of Cam Murray, your boy, Oh, you just you want to put him in your side just because it looks better. Every yeah, time you yeah. get it. Um, I think I've always been one on Murray that you want to pick him at the perfect stage of the year. And if you can time when you get him in halfway or later in the season, it could be huge for you. Um, but, I mean, with maybe the side isn't quite as good as they were last year, maybe he takes on a slightly bigger role. Uh, he's an incredible footballer, so I can't knock anyone starting with him. I don't personally know what my back row will look like yet. Um, but he's got to be in the mix for everyone. Uh, and if not, at some stage this year, you'd like to own him. Whilst
0: you were pretty keen on Arrow last week, and Cam Murray?
2: Yeah, well, I think Arrow will be in a lot of teams. I think he'll be highly owned just because he's always promised so much. And, you know, like the the role change, like Spy said, but I can still remember that game. I think he played in Gladstone where they played Manly and he scored two tries. That was his breakout game. That was, you know, two or three years ago or whatever when he was playing for the Titans. But uh, he's never really delivered on that promise since he, you know, came to South. So I'm hoping that Demetrio lets the shackles off. I really do. I hope he lets the shackles off. In terms of Murray, I mean, you're paying up for him, but Mm. he's quality, you know, he's going to give you that. The question mark over Murray is if Cook does run more, does that open up more opportunities? Like does he get up flat with him or is it a case of, if Cook's running and prepared to get tackled, often when Cook takes off you know, early in his career, he he was just so quick that no one could push up with him. Now <laughs> he's got Cody Walker. You know, that's how quick he is out of dummy half. Like he'd just get out and like he'd get to the line and you know there might be something on, but no one could be there with him. But I think Cameron Murray and Cody Walker on the right and left side of the ruck have really, are really attuned to when he's going to run. Um, so if he starts running more, that could be good for both of them. If he, you know, puts them into holes or gets an offload or something, um, if he's deciding to take the ball right into the line and get tackled, which he's been, you know, reluctant to do over the last, you know, two or three years, then. Um, but if he is going to get tackled, then maybe that hurts him a bit. I don't know. I'm not sure, but it's certainly a close watch.
0: Spy Alex Johnston is a guy who. My super coach game to start the season is always, always, and it's a pretty popular belief, but I've been very hard on it on not paying up for outside backs because, you know, they're so trial-reliant, they're inevitably going to have those down weeks where they don't score tries, they're going to drop in price, as opposed to something like Kim Murray who might start at $600,000 and finish the season at $601,000 and not move an inch. The game has changed. We saw that last season uh, with these massive blowout score lines, with the good teams getting better, the weak teams getting weaker, Uh, all off the back of, we could go on for days, why? They just have. We saw what Ruben Garrick did. We saw what Alex Johnston did averaging 73 last season. Because of the massive ceilings on on certain players like Garrick and Johnston, who could go 150 in the blink of an eye, does that change your opinion on maybe starting with premium uh, centre wing options, or are you under the same belief as every other year?
1: Well, interestingly, mate, I started with a couple of premium to semi-premium options last year. After about 12 years of playing, you know, super coach, I just, it just frustrated me every year not having at least one upside guy in your centres to start with. So I just decided to flip flip the switch and, look, it was my best season. So I, I really like the approach of getting a couple of potentially good scoring options in your centres, but it's not Alex Johnson, I'll give you the tip, not to start the year. Um, I loved him last year. I had I had my money on him for top trial scorer. He got it. He was in my side for multiple tons. For everyone got on. So I love Alex Johnson. But with new combinations, with that really tough draw, again, he's if Souths are playing good footy and they get through that tough patch, all right, he's a perfect downgrade option be at about round six after he comes through those tough sides, mm-hmm. uh, and you can stick him in at hopefully a lower price. I mean. It was his peak season last year. His were were sizzling. Uh, it's going to be hard for him to, to keep that money and keep that value. So not for me, but on, in your question about the centres, and let's talk more about this another week, but I love the idea of having a couple of really reliable centres in your side if you can afford it because that's where you can really lose your points and get stuck with a couple of 15s. Uh, if you can turn that into a 60 or 100, oh, I think it's a big swing early.
0: Mm. Yeah, definite topic for another week. Boys, moving on to our Top Sport plays. If you like a punch, you go to topsport.com.au. Home of the best same-game multi in the business where the odds actually add up. Absolute belters. Check it out, especially come footy and AFL season. Uh, when it comes to the footy, uh, they're unreal, the same-game multis there. Punch it in. Try it yourself. We'll be previewing their markets throughout the season as we did last year, finished with 108% return on investment. Hopefully, we can match that one again. If you do link up, use the code Playbook. 18 plus only. Gamble responsibly. Boys, I'm going to do a play this week that's going to annoy a lot of people, and I'm all right with that. Least, least season wins at $15, the Bulldogs. Now, everyone's buying into a lot of hype around the Bulldogs. I love the Bulldogs, to be honest, um, as a club themselves. But the fact is they've been one of the bottom teams for a long time. They have a completely new team. They have a completely new spine. Uh, I'm very vocal on how long it takes for spines to gel and start winning games. You've got Matt Dufty, who wasn't wanted by the Dragons at fullback. Avril, good footballer, inexperienced. Matty Burton, very good footballer, very young. Marshall King at hooker. Yeah, You've got TPJ and Tyler Mariner in the back row. Both very injury prone or suspension prone. In TPJ's case as well, things can go wrong very quickly for a side who hasn't done much for a long time. I think they. I don't. For the record, I don't think they're going to have the least amount of wins. I think they're a big chance, but at the value of $15, I think it's a great play. Um, and it's just my thoughts, I really hope I'm wrong on that one, but $15 seemed like a lot of money for me. Boys, we don't have enough time to talk about these and I don't want to get my head bitten off. Um, Wallace, what's your play, mate?
2: Uh, no, there's not a lot of markets up at the moment, Timmy, but, yeah, like if you look at that least wins, the first team that comes to mind to me is probably Cowboys. Four dollars sixty, uh, maybe a bit skinny for you to take for a year-long bet, but that that's probably what I'd be going in that market. Um, I, I, well, once the markets come up for the try scorers for this yeah. weekend for the uh, All Stars, I don't mind. Um, you know, a few. I don't mind the the front row, um, in the Maori side. So uh, Tapane, uh, I think he'd be he'd be a good chance, and I also don't mind Ruben Cotter to sneak over from dummy half, the Indigenous uh, hooker there. So there's probably a couple to to keep your eye out for. If, if you can get sort of uh, anywhere over 20 bucks for Cotter, I think that's good value. And, you know, a you, you might even get 40 bucks or something like that. So, you know, throw a 5 or 10 on it, however you're going. Spy?
1: <clears throat> yeah, that, that Bulldogs one is serious value. Um, I kind of agree with what you're saying in terms of I don't expect them to get the spoon or the lease wins, whatever it's called these days, but... Oh, man, at that value, 15 to That's 1. A I mean, it's, it's a lot of hype around a new side, as you said, and you don't have to be that bad to get the wooden spoon in the NRL. It could just be a year where everyone plays pretty well and there's one or two games within the bottom six, so I'll have to sneak a few on myself there. Uh, I've had a little look at round one. Got a bit excited this afternoon. I might have found my first upset of the year. I'll do a multi. It'll be Penrith to beat Manly in the opening game the season. Get $1.55 out at Penrith Park there. I think that's good odds. Manly's every chance, obviously. But with that, with that Penrith defensive lineup, I'm having to take those that those odds. Into Brisbane to beat the bunnies. They're at $2.90 up at Suncorp Stadium. Latrell's out. Reynolds is gone. Or is in the other side, actually. Uh new combinations at South, $2.90 into a dollar fifty. You get about $4.50 for that. But I think Brisbane's got to be every chance. New season, they'll be raring to go. Uh, so, if South don't come out uh, somewhere near their best, maybe Brisbane knock them off. Cam
0: mm. Murray in the same game score a hatchet will be about $3.50. Value. Boys, <laughs> Cowboys. And this is uh, up to sort of towards Walser's territory a little bit. He, he loves his Cowboys. I don't really know why. I don't know if it's just because it's semi close to home. Uh, but the man knows his North Queensland Cowboys. To start the season, Bulldogs, Raiders, Broncos, Roosters, Warriors. One of, you can't get much of a better draw, really. Um, whilst I want to start with the rookie options in that team, and they are Jeremiah Nanai, who I know you're very keen on and still can't pronounce this one correctly. But Heal and Lukey, uh, the back rower, there, both back rollers, both very promising talents, could be their starting edge come round one. What can you tell us about
2: them, mate? Well, I think. Most people only saw a bit of Jeremiah Nanai, but I've seen him play in you know, a bit of the schoolboy stuff as well. And uh, he's a he's a prodigy, you know what I mean? Like uh, I think I spoke about Jack Howarth last week from Melbourne, and he got signed on a five-year deal. But you can expect the next contract that Jeremiah Jeremiah Nani to sign will be similar to that, if not more, because uh, there's a lot of clubs, uh, from what I've heard, that are in the market for him. Uh, he's a skillful edge back rower, so he's got a bit of footy in him. I'm not 100% sure what his best position is. Like, who would you um, say he's most like in the NRL at the moment? Maybe a Josh Schuster type of player. You know, he's big enough to play on an edge but has a lot of skill to him as well. So... Even though he's a different player to Schuster, that's probably the only one I can think of that is the edge back row that's, that's skillful enough. To, to me, um, I think if he gets a starting spot, he's probably in my side. What if he's he, bench, mate? He's a bit overpriced. Hey, I'll, I'll
0: get him up, but I don't think he's bottom dollar. Nah, so I mean, no, he's, he's not. He's bottom not bottom dollar.
2: No, nah, he's mid-range, so... Um, I don't know if you've got I mean, it there.
0: 340k there, yeah. So he's a very awkward price? So he'd have to be starting to consider him, wouldn't he?
2: Yeah, I wouldn't touch him on the bench. Four games, you know, for
0: averaged 49 points.
2: Yeah, and one of them he had a try in that, but it, it was just the potential. I think. Um, I think the other thing is, I wouldn't, I wouldn't tip people into rushing into him purely on the fact that you're not really sure what Payton's going to do. And I don't, don't want to like this isn't really a Peyton thing. But he's got a lot of young kids up there and he's got to work out how to blood them. You know, to me, he's playing the long game. You know, he's playing the long game with the Cowboys. He's been told, mate, you've got the job for, you know, a few years. So I don't think he feels overly the pressure to win. Um, so I think he's, like, working out the best way to blood a lot of these kids and get some players that he wants to. He's getting Luciano Le Lua. So he's probably going to have a good look at Helam Lukey, Ben Condon, Um, Jeremiah Nanai and have a look who is the best edge back rower that will be moving forward so um, that might be a bit of a downside for him for super coaches because you're not sure how consistently he'll get played but I feel like on the field he's going to be really strong. What are your thoughts Spot?
1: Just two things on that mate firstly I'll come back to Nanai but You might have a bit more patience than the Cowboys board and uh, Todd Payton. If they're sitting 0-4, then he putting his best side on the paddock you can only imagine, or even if they're 0-2. But obviously, they might try to give him a bit bit more of a leash moving forward, but wins in the NRL, as you know, and losses can mount up and put a lot of pressure on the coach. But on Danai there, boys, just to had a quick look there while you were chatting, it's actually based on a 39 average his price uh, because he only played the four games last year. And he averaged 49 in, I'll tell you how many minutes, it was 54 minutes a game. So that shows a lot of potential. If he's starting, I'll pick him for sure in my side with that kind of talent and upside. Uh, But the fact he's priced 10 points lower at that discount is pretty handy if he gets the nod.
0: Boys, Jason Taumalolo, $486,000. Probably the watch of the preseason for me. Uh, in my team at the moment, because I think that's an absurd price for him. Uh, we believe he was sort of dealing with a few niggles here and there last season; just wasn't himself. Um, hence the the reduced super coach output, the reduced price this year. Um, but spy at that price, if he comes out and looks back to his old self and fit and firing uh, in the preseason, gee whiz, he's cheap.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't know how you could not have him almost. Um, trial performance will be important. Out of all the trials in the whole preseason, I'll watch every single minute of Tam Lolo and everything he does because it was so blatantly obvious last year that he, was, he wasn't he was match fit. Simple as that. He was bigger than he normally is. He lost that explosive power. He lost his agility and he just wasn't himself. While still a good player, but we know he's one of the best forwards ever to grace, grace a rugby league field. So if he shows any sort of signs of his best, I think... It's hard not to have him. You look at his four seasons previous, he averaged 72, 78, 70 and 75 and you can get him at, a, at an average of 55. Like, that's insane. Surely, surely he's got something to prove. I mean, if a year like that one of the best forwards? Surely you have a good off-season. You come out and, and you're back somewhere near your best as long as you're healthy. Yeah, surely, he Moss. Well, surely, mate,
2: surely. Surely. Well, mate. I don't know. I mean, you know, it's it's... I think a lot of people were burnt by what Peyton did as soon as he came in and took him over. So, yeah, it's a hard one because he's so cheap and he's been so good in the past. But um, like just some of the comments that Peyton said about the way he's going to play him and things like that. I mean, they're not, they don't reassure you in that. But I mean, like you said, it might he might he might just be that cheap, you know? And the way that Supercoach is set up with. You know you've got turbo and you've got cleary and that you just might have to pick up a few of these blokes and hope they um, you know provide value for you at very least um, so yeah it's it's yeah loa is a real tough one but I do expect that it'll be highly owned but uh, what do we think about the hammer boys like what do you think about hammer uh, hammer so tabo I got How a few stats we've got a
0: few stats on the hammer uh, he's obviously what dual, he would be dual fullback, dual centre. Val Holmes confirmed to be playing centre this year, at least to start the season. First game at fullback last season against the Roosters, 98 with 40 in base. Second game was against the Dragons, 50 points with 20 in base. Third game also against the Dragons, according to my dodgy notes here, 52 points, 28 in base. Pretty damn good numbers. 2020, seven games at fullback for an average of 39. I think we can relatively scrap that in the sense that he's come a long way as a footballer since then, matured. His numbers last year, pretty good. Not for me, whilst because you mentioned before your punting plays, but unfortunately, I just don't rate the Cowboys this year. I don't see him doing much good. And off the back of that, we saw last year how important it was to to target the attacking teams, particularly with your attacking players. So spy not for me.
1: Yeah, I really want to put him in, actually, but... Oh, I'm leaning your way. My gut you says probably, probably not to do it, um, just just maybe stay away. But there's a in the centres starting at fullback with that opening run. I mean, as one of Walser's favourite words, I couldn't begrudge anyone that wants to put in the hammer for round one. Uh, and Lolo, I'll say it again, surely yeah. has to show something, <laughs> surely. Hey, we'll, find out. Wals- we'll find out. The soon. last
0: one I want to touch on before we move on here. Been a lot of love around for Ruben Cotter, who is a very good footballer. Um, we know he's versatile. We know he can play hooker. We know he can play prop. He can play lock, whatever you want him to. Uh, good footballer. But, uh, I mean, it's it's a watch in the sense of I think he needs to start to be considered because there's not a lot of depth in the forward pack. There's not a lot of quality in the forward pack. So it's not to say that the minutes can't come. But at the moment, as things stand, I don't see what the hype's about.
2: Yeah, Ruben Cotter, a good story here, boys about this one. He, he actually last week I told a story about Ponga, but he was actually in that same development side that that CQNRLB development side. He's, he was um, up in Serena and um he he actually captained that side and then I think he went on to to play, you know, Australian schoolboys and that, but he had some horrific injuries. Like he he didn't didn't even get a chance. He was he was signed to come into the Cowboys and the a-grade squad like basically out of school and then he just had two or three years where he didn't play. I think it might have been knee injuries and different things and that sort of stuff. And they hung on to him like it was sort of coming to the end of his contract and they sort of took a pun on him and they hung on to him and he come good. But in terms of um, super Coach, he's a really relevant player if he gets the minutes because yeah. he's, an, he's a high output player you know, like he's he's gonna get his tackles, he's gonna get his runs. Um, you know, he's gonna get a few tackle breaks against you know um, tired defenses and things like that. Now it remains to be seen whether the little tweak that the NRL's done with the rule changes sort of brings the big man back into it a bit more, um, which would bring you know those lightweight locks might not be as effective. But I certainly think if he gets a role. Uh, in which Peyton was sort of indicating that he was gonna be a lock and maybe like a 60 minute lock and Tamalolo would play, you know, 40 to 60 minutes at front row. If that happens, then you know, I'd say he's gonna be one that's gonna in a lot of super coach teams. And um you know he might he might uh, he might be the only cowboy in a lot of super coach teams to be honest.
0: Yeah. Big watch out the preseason for those round one oh. teams, Ruben Cotter. Hey, we'll jump into a few listener questions before we wrap things up for the week. I mentioned it last week, but I, I'm going to look to do uh, with you crew some live Q&As this season so we can just punch out a stack of your, your questions on Facebook or wherever it is, um, try to get through a few of them a bit more, uh, spend less time on the, the, the main sort of podcast and punch through them in, in other sort of formats and all, all podcasting sort of things. Anyway, uh, another room for that, as I said, is that WhatsApp group for subscribers Boys, good question from Matty Broom. Absolute legend, Matty Broom Did a, a second place in just about every supercoach content you can ever see. He hasn't quite cracked the top spot, but loves the second. Uh, did supercoach Big Bash content for us this season. I think he finished second in footy as well. Done. Um,
2: Nothing wrong with second, Timmy.
0: No, exactly right. There's not a lot of winners in this uh, group, Chad. Thankfully, Desi's not here, but uh, plenty of second place getters. Hey, boys, <laughs> question from Matty. Good one. Based on your predicted teams, are there any guys you think might gain DPP, so dual position status, after round six, such as Tamalolo potentially getting a front row forward status? And how much should that factor into considering these options for round one teams? So I read that initially, sorry, Matty, as um, uh, I looked at literally his back roles who could go to front row status. uh, And my take on that one was that it's hard to answer going from second row to front row because – it's a bit of a funny one in Supercoach, but basically, if you're playing lock in NRL, you're a middle forward, and it doesn't matter if you're a prop or a lock a lot of the time, changing a little bit in the current day, but basically you're a middle forward, which makes it a little bit hard to gauge. I think they'll only change plays if they're actually named to play prop. Um, the blokes I did see that could go from second row only to dual, second row, front row, Dale Finucane, who I think is almost a certainty, because Cameron McGuinness is going to play lock for the Sharks, Fenu can be named a prop to start the season, as far as I'm concerned. So he'll get it. Um, Jake Chaboyevich is a guy who's a chance if a couple of injuries happen up front. We've seen him play, I think, prop for the Blues, haven't we? Uh, Jack DeBellins another one. They've got options there, but if they want to play Jack Bird at lock, Debs can go up to front row. Uh, Carl Lawton's another one who, uh, sorry, not Carl Lawton. Carl Lawton was on the Jake Chaboyevich point. If Lawton was to go into lock, Gerbo could go to prop. Adam Elliott, I think he's going to spend a lot of time at prop this season, so he's one. And again, if minutes pop up, a bit of an option. Uh, Spy, did you come up with anyone there?
1: You know, not really. I'll I'll sort of reiterate what I said earlier in the show in that it'll give you that really opportunity, possibly unexpected opportunities as the season goes on. So just be ready for that and be adaptable, as we said, that if, if bikes suddenly become available in another position, that could free up a couple extra guns for yourselves. Um, but, I mean, I haven't looked specifically into who might, might or might not get the chances outside of maybe Kaelin, Prince Ponger. Ponga, uh, maybe yeah. going to the halves, which I keep talking about, which may not ever happen, but, but we'll see, boys. Side note
0: on that made me think with Kaelin Ponga going to 5'8 and, allowing, and then Tex Hoyer slotting in at fullback, in the, uh, the potential weld, I still can't believe Tex Hoyer was held up and got circumcised by Joey Johns when he was a baby. How cool is that? What a claim. Wow. That's why his dad's a pro-surfing him and Joey John's the best mates. Anyway.
1: I'd start Hoya in the halves, and I'd start him at seven based <coughs> purely on that for the nights. <laughs>
0: yes. <laughs> Don't worry about fullback for him. Uh, we'll have a little a bit more of that throughout the preseason, boys. I'm sure there's plenty of content out there. We can look at potential dual positions. Boys, good question from uh, the legends over at Supercoach Fanatics. Great insights on their Facebook and Twitter groups there. Thoughts on the safety of Brian Toto in your centres to start, boys? High price, but you do have that safety and assurance there. Um, boys, we know what he can deliver. Uh, I suppose on that argument, we talked about uh, Ruben Garrick, Alex Johnston before, top, uh, 729k. Average 84 last year, 42 in base. Absurd. Spy. would you consider him, or 729? Ooh, geez.
1: I'd love to start with him, to be honest. Yeah. Just because he works so hard, like – Garrick, Alex Johnson, these guys, at least Garrick's got goal kicking and turbo scoring tries and setting them up for him. But I oh, could, he scores 55 60 on days he doesn't score a try. And then he's got 130s in him. So he's, I almost look at him as though he's like a back rower that has 25 runs a match with not many tackles with the scoring upside uh, of a winger in a Penrith side. So, yeah, I'd like to get him in my side. It may prove really difficult to do so. I don't know if I can fit Cleary and Tor. Might need to be one or the other, but short answer, I'd be very happy to start him if I can find a way, but it might be really hard.
0: Hey, Walsh, a bloke we brushed past last
1: week on the Knights
0: analysis. Question from Morgan Collett. I know you've done the Knights, but can you break down Jacob Saifidi after the rumour that he will start? Jacob Saifidi, so... I believe it was Sifidi back end of the last year. Clem came off the bench. Jacob Sifidi was starting. Uh, Jacob Saifidi, is he a bloke that you would entertain if starting with a few extra minutes, or is he sort of in that, I suppose, that plot of forty forty five minute role? Regardless.
2: Yeah, he is actually. You know, like um, I actually thought of him last week, but I did. I you know I sort of um, didn't really toss him up, but. I think he could get a more prominent role because the Saifidi brothers have taken prominence over Clemmer and that. one Again, my reluctance in that is Adam O'Brien. You know, I don't really trust him from a super supercage point of view, you know. Like, I just don't trust what he's going to do um, in that respect. But, yeah, if, if you have a look at his statistics, they're pretty solid, um, you know. it's just It's just about, like, uh, whether he's gonna get the minutes. But you know, in the last I think it was seven games, he got over fifty minutes. So that's that's pretty good minutes like last year. Now some of his output was good. Uh yeah, he got he scored a 50 87, 47, 48, 49, 60, 38. It's probably not gonna really turn the needle to yes, I'm gonna trade him in, but he's certainly a close watch. Um, he, his brother is more of an attacking option close to the line, but I can see where the, the lad is is looking at. I can see what he's looking at because he's certainly a player that's improving, whether that comes out in his supercoach scoring is probably dependent on how much his coach plays him and what sort of role and, you know, to a certain extent, you know, how, how, how the nights go.
0: Spy question from uh, one of the greats of the supercoach community, Anton Posser. And, mate, if I'm pronouncing Possa wrong, I think about it every time. Just let me know and and give me an absolute lashing because I I need to fix that if I am. Welcome back, Legends. Do do you dare leave Dave Fafita out of your round one teams? People say he's too expensive, but last year he went over 850k and everyone was scrambling to find the money to bring him in. Keen to get your takes. What do you reckon, Spy? Could you argue that there's a reason to leave Fafita out or is he just locked and loaded
1: for your side? Mate, I'm torn. Uh, I want him in. Much like I want him in, but if you can get value with Angus Crichton's like 100-plus K cheaper, uh, Tamalolo's like 300 K cheaper or something. So I want him in my side, don't get me wrong. Uh, And my gut says I'll probably find a way to get him. Just knowing he was hurt by the sounds of the back end of last year, coming off the bench, he still scored really well. If he's playing 80 minutes, mate, and I've seen a photo of him during the week, if anyone can tackle him this year, they're doing well, Mm. so... You don't have to start with him, but you're piling the fire a little bit. Um, I'm, I'm very torn. I don't have an answer yet, but I will in time, boys. I will in time.
0: Whilst Fafida is in my team, mate. It, we we hear this often with Fafida, but he's like he's the big fella in under eights that no one can tackle. Is and he's twice the size of him at the top level of his sport, which is ridiculous. They can't, physically can't tackle him at times. He just brushes off as many as he can, and like four or five blokes a scores. and scores. Um, I, I, look, if he's benched and potentially playing that 60-minute role again, I don't think he will be, but he may. Um, I'll, I'll reconsider. But if he's named to start at round one, I, I just – I can't watch him and not own the bloke.
2: Yeah, he's very hard to go past. Um, so another NFL reference for you boys is there was a bloke called Calvin Johnson. They called him Megatron, played for Detroit Lions. They didn't do anything. It was when Stafford was there, but he was an absolute freak. Um, like, and set records, Hall of Famer and everything. But he, he reminds me a bit of him in the in the fact that he was just so much bigger and better than everyone physically. Like, so um, – yeah, it, it's really hard to go past him. And I think what you look for when you're looking at these guys, like, you know, we had the question about Toto and we had the question about Fafida. I look at Toto and I go, well, is he actually going to do more than what he did last year? Yeah. Probably not. He's not going to be that much of a value proposition in terms of you might pay up for him and get what you pay for, but are you going to get over what you pay for? Fafida, for on the other hand, You know, possibly, as ridiculous as it sounds, like his scores were down last year because he played less minutes um, because they had him off the bench there towards the end. It was sort of couldn't work out what it was. Then it came out that he was injured. So as a value proposition, he's probably underpriced.
1: That's magic, Walsh. It really is magic because there is value in the centers as well. So you can cover the output of Tau a bit easier this, this year than other years. Um, just do we think David Fafita's a bit past it, boys? He did turn 21 last year, so <laughs> it's unbelievable, isn't it? 21 yeah. years old. Yeah.
0: I think David Fafita had a stint with the Wakefield Wildcats in the off-season as well, didn't he? <laughs> that's gonna that's gonna be lost on a few people, but that's big yeah. big Andrew Fafita's brother playing over there. Yeah. Uh, shit, joke. I'll move on, boys. Let's wrap it up on that terrible night. <laughs> hey, Walsh, massive again. Thank you, mate. Uh, all all done for episode two of the preseason.
2: Thanks, boys. Uh, yeah, have a good week, and yeah, like when when we get together next week or whenever it is, it'll be closer to start time. So I'm looking forward. To, actually, there might be like obviously we got the All Stars this this weekend, so mm. that'll be a good watch. You know, just see there. So um, fair few Warriors playing, so I'll be watching. Wals well, is uh, well, is going to be back with his
0: infamous trial recaps. They're that good coming out of some of the best reads of the preseason. Good to be have a bit of footy to actually talk about next weekend. Ah, uh, spy, mate, big as always. Thank you.
1: Thanks, boys. Yeah, it looks like I might have lined up a pub sesh Sunday Saturday night for the All-Stars, so maybe some drunk trial recaps coming your way late Saturday night as well, uh, and big David Fafita's playing in that game as well. So I just can't wait. Footy's back, boys. How good. Geez, you'd hate to be a, a tin of uh, cream and soda at that pub, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> Please. VB, Jeez, thanks, mate. All right, all right.
0: thanks, guys. Thanks for tuning in.